Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passion and intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, how about we listen to a beautiful love story? In this episode of Women Wanting Women, I invited my friend Primavera Salva to tell us the story of how she, a diplomat from Mexico, met her wife, a banker from Lebanon, in New York City in the early 1990s. This was back before being a lesbian was considered normal, even in New York City. And it was back when a woman falling in love with another woman was completely unthinkable in Mexican and Lebanese society which, to a large extent, continues to be the case there even now in many parts of those regions. Primavera's story is all about love and finding your truth in order to overcome deep shame and fear. But one of the interesting things about listening to Primavera tell her story is that despite her struggles with being a lesbian, she had beautiful soulmate love in her life the whole way through. Not all of us are that lucky. Whether or not we feel insecure about being attracted to women, the main struggle for many of us is the fact that we haven't yet found soulmate love and we don't know what to do or where to look to finally get complete in this area of our lives. That's why I do the work that I do. And if you want personal support from me through the challenges and frustrations of finding and keeping lesbian love, then go to womenwantingwomen.com forward slash coaching to learn more about the work that I do or email me at Jordana at womenwantingwomen.com to schedule a one-on-one -on -one consultation. But in the meantime, one of the most effective ways we can start to attract love into our lives is to feel right now in our hearts as if we already have the love that we want. And one of the best ways to do that is to listen to a beautiful love story and live vicariously through it while believing and knowing with unwavering certainty that our own love story is about to unfold for us in perfect timing. Because it is, it really is, I promise. So that's why I'm excited to share this love story with you right now. Relax, open your heart, and enjoy my interview with the absolutely adorable Primavera Salva. Primavera, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love that we're getting to talk like this. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so when we met, you told me your amazing story, and I just really wanted to share it with the community because it's a beautiful story, a beautiful love story with you and your wife. Yes, it's, it's really a love story. How, how, how short or how long do you want the story to be? <laughs> all the good stuff, all the good stuff, especially coming from where you come from, right? Tell us about that, about your background. And... Yeah, so I'm, I'm from Mexico. 
I moved to New York right after college. And um, I was working here as a diplomat, having truly the time of my life, um, working for the government of Mexico, promoting Mexico uh, and the tourism board. So doing a lot of marketing events and um, exhibitions in the museums and anything, you name it. You know, doing uh, gastronomy events with the top chefs in New York. So it was a very special time in my life. And during that time, I met uh, Katya. And um, we became best friends. But both of us were straight. We we never dated women. We were not interested in women until we were. <laughs> um, so... It was actually um, in the mid-90s when we met. We've been together almost 25 years now. How did you we meet? Met, we met through a friend. Um, it, was, um, it was one of those that you think is meant to be because it was in February. There was a blizzard in New York City. They were like closing the bridges, the subways, everything. And when I got out of work, my friend called me and she said... Hey, from all people, I know you're the one that is going to show up. I have everything ready for my party, and now this blizzard is ruining the party. So please, please come. And I was like, okay, I cannot do that to my friend. And sure enough, I went to the Upper West Side. That's so um, nice of you, because like I feel as though that would be so sad for someone's party to be ruined. Like I hate that idea of just someone being left alone without a party, right? Of course, yeah. So she was like, I know you'll show up, and, and sure enough, I did. But funny enough, so it was in the Upper West Side, and the other guest that showed up was Katya. She had just moved to New York from L.A., and she had no clue what a blizzard was going to be, right? So... We were there, and then it was finally like, you know, I really have to go because they're going to close the subways. Um, you know, there's no taxes or everything. And um, and I, and my friend said to Katya, oh, funny enough, you guys, both you both live on West 4th Street. You should take a subway downtown together. And I told Katya, you want to come with me? And she was like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to call a car service. There were no Uber at that time. And I was like, car service, that's going to be like a long time wait. She was like, it's okay, I can wait. I was like, okay, fine, I don't want to wait, I'm just going to go. And I started to walk out, and about half block, I hear somebody in heels, tuck, 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 running, going, hey, hey, wait for me. And it was this woman, Katya, that I had just met. And I said, so what happened to your car service? And she said, oh. It was about, about a five-hour wait, and it wasn't guaranteed. And I was like, okay, I knew. When you first met her that night, did you feel anything, or did you even think anything? No. No, we, we actually didn't like each other. I, I thought she was a little bit arrogant. Uh, and I was like, whatever, wait for your car service, bye. Uh, so we ended up finding a taxi right in the corner, and we took a taxi together. And yes, it was funny that she's Lebanese, I'm Mexican. So all of my friends lived uptown and all of her friends lived uptown as well. So we both actually were like, oh my God, I finally have a friend that lives downtown. That's great. 
we exchanged numbers and we said, you know, let's get together at some point. And it took maybe a couple of weeks to get together. And uh, when we got together, it was like we never separated afterwards. It was really crazy. We went out to have a drink. I was having a sore throat and I was like, oh, you know, fine, let's go out. She called me and I said, sure, I'm not feeling great, but let's go out for a drink. And we went out and I was having tequila because I had a sore throat. And she thought that was hysterical that I would cure myself with tequila. And I said, well, this is this is how we do it in Mexico, right? So she was trying to impress me and she was drinking that drink with flames, like a jegamizer, I forget how it's called. And I was like, what is this woman drinking? So to make a long story short, it was a Monday night, we still remember. And we went out to the Merck bar that was in Soho. It was snowing, it was like March. And we ended up hanging out there until like 4 a.m. on a Monday. And what were you doing? Like, you didn't know you were attracted to her. So what were you doing? No, we were like drinking and flirting with all guys. We both went home with a different guy that night. So that that was March. And then, you know, time went on and we started to go out every day. Every day we'll find something to do, go out dancing, uh, go out to eat, go to a movie, go to a concert, this and that. And even like my group of friends, when I would say, oh, my friend, Katya is going to join us for this concert. Everyone will be like, oh, why are you inviting your friend? And I'll be like, what's wrong? What's wrong with you guys? And everyone will say, oh, when you guys are together, you just talk to each other. You ignore everyone else. You guys don't pay attention to anybody. It's just about the two of you. And I remember laughing. I was like, what is this, high school? Come on. So... You know, I've always been very social. I'm usually the one organizing everything for my friends, like a party, an outing, a picnic, a concert, this and that. So I was like, well, too bad. You know, I'm organizing this and I'm inviting my friend Katya. So life went on. We spent all the spring like that. And then in the summer, a friend of mine had a hotel in Marbella in Spain and he told me, oh, just come in the summer, spend the week here, you know, come bring any friends you want, you have a room. Uh, and so I told Katya, let's go, let's go to Marbella. And she was like, Marbella is so boring. I was there a long time ago. It's all these rich people just showing off the yachts. Who cares? So I'm not interested. I convinced her to come and we went to Marbella and sure enough, after two nights, we were so bored because it was indeed that. It was like all these people just showing off the yachts. I get very dizzy. Uh, I get very seasick. So I was not even interested in the yachts to say the least. Me neither. I get so seasick on boats. Yeah. Forget it. So after two days, she was like, you know what? I read about this place called Ibiza. Why don't we just go to Ibiza? And we looked at the map and we saw that it was part of the Baleares Islands, Islas Baleares. And my father's family is from Mallorca. And I was like, okay, let's go there, but let's stop by in Mallorca. 
So we took off. We took so many planes to get to Mallorca, and then we went to Ibiza, and we had the time of our lives. It was so much fun, but again, we were not having anything together. We were not even like, I don't know, attracted to each other, but we wouldn't separate. And we were just meeting guys, hanging out with guys and everything. And it was so interesting that when we, um, we took the same flight together from Ibiza to Madrid at the end of the vacation, and then the portion of Madrid, New York, we had different flights. Um, I was flying, I think, Continental. She was flying something else, American, different airlines. And when I said bye to her in the airport in Madrid, it was so weird. I started to cry. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I crying? You know, like, this is my friend who lives two blocks from me in New York City. I go out with her every day, and we're just separating because she's taking another flight back home. We're going back home together. I couldn't understand my emotions. I was really crying because I was separating from her. So I thought that was really weird. What did you say to yourself at that time? Did she feel emotional too? Like, what was she saying at that time? I didn't ask her. I was so embarrassed. Are you kidding me? You know, I was so embarrassed. We were just so happy to be together. And we were like, oh, we're going to separate, but that's okay. It's okay. I'll see you home soon. Bye, bye. And I kept thinking, oh, it's probably the motions of like Ibiza that we have such a great time. And now that I'm like living that vacation, dream vacation, I'm sad. That's what I kept saying to myself, right? I don't know what the, the tricks that one play that we can play in our minds are endless, right? Because it's always so hard to see ourselves. It's always so hard to understand our emotions or even be aware of our emotions. And that's a little bit what happened to us, right? We were not really aware of what it was happening and how we were falling in love. So we, like I said, we came back to New York. The summer was amazing. We were hanging out together all the time. We had a bunch of friends being jealous about our friendship. And then in the fall, uh, we kind of like hooked up. How though? Like, how do you go from one to the other? How did that, how'd you even know you wanted that? You So it actually started with me. It was the time of like Madonna being bisexual and she had her book Sex Out. And it was very cool in the city to be a bisexual woman. And it it was really for me like, oh, if, if it is cool, I have to try it. You know, like I was doing, I was having a bite of the Big Apple. I was doing everything. A new Broadway show, I had seen it. A new exhibit museum, I had gone. A new restaurant, I had tried it. A concert, I had tickets. So it was like, oh, being bisexual is the next cool thing. I have to be bisexual. So I I told Katya, I said, I think I want to be with a woman and see how it feels. And she was like, why would you want that? I'm like, I don't know, because the school is in. She thought I was crazy. So then, you know, I kept insisting, but I was afraid to do it. So we will go out and I will 
like pretend I'll flirt with a girl and I'll then I'll be like, oh no, I'm not interested. No, forget it, forget it. Wrong move. And what year was this? This was like 93. And then, you know, Katya said, okay, maybe I want to try to. And we like, we'll go out in a search. We'll be like, okay, let's not have, let's not be with a girl. Let's just have a threesome with a guy. And we were like, we both were like, okay, let's find a guy to have a threesome with. And we wouldn't agree until what time we agreed on somebody. And that somebody probably kind of picked up our energy right away. We were in a, an event that I was putting together for work. And there were like a lot of diplomats and boring people or, uh, you know, it was like, it was a boring event. And this guy gets hit on by two chicks that want it. Exactly. And he was super, super handsome guy. He was an Italian photographer and he was talking to us about his passion, photographing, um, animals in extinct all over the world in the Amazons and the jungles of Mexico and the Himalayas we were like, what? Like, really? Wow. And you have to think, there was no internet at that time, right? So it's not like you'll see everyone's pictures. Like, he will print the pictures and show the pictures of these animals, beautiful animals, that he will have to spend, like, a week becoming friends with the indigenous people so he could be accepted in the jungle And they will guide him through the night so that he can find the right moment to photograph a jaguar or like all these animals. And we were like, wow, the stories and him talking about them with so much passion and so so handsome with an Italian accent. We were like, wow. And then at the end of the night, he was like, okay, what are we doing, girls? Where are we going? Show me New York. And we showed him New York. So what, did you take him home? What do you mean you showed him New York? Yeah, yeah. We, we went out, we went out, and I, was actu- I actually had, like, a suite for work. I wasn't staying in my apartment because all the events were happening uh, downtown. So then, you know, I, I don't want to give too many details for... Privacy issues. Did you kiss her that night? Let's let's guess the important. I don't care about him. Yeah, you know? of course. Katya and I kissed, and it was beautiful. So that was your first time. That was the first time. The next day, we woke up, and we both had like our world upside down, literally upside down. So why though? Because it's sort of from your perspective at that time, you were sort of just having a threesome with a guy. I never, I never, I never thought. I had to touch her or do anything with her. That was the naive part in both our heads. We were like, oh, what is this? Because it felt really good. Well, it felt really good. And you have to understand the intimacy that we had in terms of like emotions and the intimacy of the soul that we had experienced from the moment we met it was there already. Right. The only thing that was missing was intimacy of the physical body, making love. It was the only thing that was missing, but the love was there. It was there already in our hearts. 
like my soul was so connected to hers and vice versa. Like we will go out and laugh. We didn't have to talk. We knew what each other was thinking. So we were really, really like connected. So when we crossed the line to have physical intimacy, it became real. We didn't know what to do with it. So you were clear that night that the best part about the night was not this Italian photographer, it was her. No, we, it was so intense, the emotions were so intense that we just woke up thinking, oh my God, what did we do? That was crazy. Oh my God, like, woof. It wasn't even clear at that point, like, oh, this was amazing. I want to be with her. I'm in love with her. Not at all. So what was it like? It took us years to get there. It was very confusing. It was very confusing and a very intense place to be. So what, tell me about the intensity, because you wake up the next day and you see this person. Did you know you wanted to kiss her again? Did you know you wanted to do that again? No, no. I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? Oh, shit, she's my friend. Why was I kissing her? So basically, like, we, we all just got up, went to work that day as if nothing had happened. And we actually didn't talk about it. We, we didn't talk about what happened. It was more like, oh, my God, what a crazy night. Yes, it was so crazy. Okay, I have to go to work. Okay, bye. And then we didn't have sex again or anything in months and months. It maybe happened, I don't know, once every three, four months. But how? And it would happen when we would go out and we'll be drunk. That's the truth. It was too intense, the energy between the two of us. And then on top of that, a couple of months from the first time we were together, um, I got a letter and my job saying your diplomatic post has ended. You must come back to Mexico. And that was so painful. I like, I tell you, I even want to cry now because like from one day to the next one, somebody can take your life away. Yeah. And I didn't have papers to stay legal in the country. I didn't want to stay legal. So I went back to Mexico for a while, and it was so sad. Again, there was no, speaking on the phone was super expensive at those times. There was no Skype. There was no FaceTime. There was no email. It would be like only a few people had cell phones at that point. We didn't have cell phones. So it was more like waiting next to the landline to maybe you know, she will call or I will call and she wouldn't be home. It was tragic, tragic, tragic. How often did you think about her? Oh, from the moment I will wake up until I will go to sleep. And again, I will think about her and my mind will be, why am I thinking about her? Like, I wouldn't allow myself to think that I was in love with her. It was more like, oh, She's my best friend, and I have the best time when I'm next to her, and that's it. Life is beautiful when I'm with her, but I wouldn't even allow myself to think I'm in love with a woman 
and I'm lesbian and I'm going to have a relationship with her, like not in my wildest dreams, not even. Wow. Even though you were sometimes hooking up when you were drunk. Now, how would that happen? You would just be drunk and one of you would kiss the other? Exactly. Yeah, we'll start dancing together and we'll end up like kissing. And maybe we will end up having sex or not. But it was more this like magnetic force keeping us together. It was intense. So that was, you know, 93 or so. At the same time, I had met somebody who, a guy, who fell in love with me the day he met me. It was an interesting thing. I I met him through work. I met him right before I went with Katya to Ibiza. And I took him out for dinner for work. And the day we went out for dinner, he started to tell me, oh, you're so pretty and so smart. And, And I was like, Wait a minute, wait a minute. I know he's he's Mexican and, and I was like, you know, I know that you're not used to seeing single women who work and are independent perhaps. I'm not looking for a husband and you and I need to work together for a couple of months. So I appreciate if you can respect the boundaries. I'm not interested in having anything with you. Because this was like day one of a project we were doing together. And, and he right away said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry if I insulted you. And he said, no, I wasn't making a pass on you. I want to tell you that um, I've been looking for a woman for a long time. And I think you're the woman of my life. I want to marry you. I was like, what? You made me eight hours ago? You want to marry me? Like, what is this? So I laughed and I just said, you know, please, this conversation is not happening again. And if you cannot contain yourself, I'm just going to ask to, for, to my boss to put somebody else in this project. And he was very respectful. Um, nothing happened. So once my diplomatic post ended, and I was in Mexico. I started to see him, actually. And he asked me right away, uh, I want to marry you. And I was in such a state of confusion. I was lost. Um, I didn't have a job. I had been living in the States for six years after college. I felt like a foreign in my own country. Um, I didn't know where I wanted to live in Mexico city or go back to my hometown or move to Cancun. Um, he worked for the government of, of the state of Quintana Roo, which is Cancun, Tulum, all that beautiful place, all those beautiful places. And he said, why don't you move to Cancun and maybe you find a job there that you like. And I did. So I was working in Cancun. And he said, just marry me. What are you waiting for? And it really felt like the best solution to my life. Because up to this time, I will fly to New York to see Katya. She will fly down to Cancun to see me. 
And every time we would say bye, it was so painful, so painful to live in that way. And how often were you able to see each other? Like we'll see each other once a month, maybe. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot yeah. for some friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even, even more so sometimes. Like I said, you know, I was the friend here organizing everything. So when I left, it wasn't like only a friend left, but all my friends were like, no, no, we're all going to pitch in for your ticket. You're coming to New York. You're coming back. We all miss you. But obviously the one that was missing me the most was Katya. So I would just come for every excuse I, I could. And then I got married. I got married. I had a beautiful wedding in Cancun. All my friends came down. And Katya then was there? Katya was there. Was she, she happy was... for you? What did she say about it? She... She was happy for me because I always wanted to have children. So I was, she will make fun of me that I will go out and, um, and have a date with somebody. And the next thing I will be like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll marry him and, you know, we'll have kids. How do you think my kids will look like? And she'll be like, prima, you met the guy two weeks ago, why are you thinking in that way? And I'll be like, well, I really want to have kids, you know? And I'm, and I'll be like, I'm 26. And in Mexico, all my friends got married between 18 and 25. So me being 26, I felt like I was an old lady. But that's not so weird for women or for, I find that a lot of my girlfriends, they meet someone and right away they're thinking, you know, whether it's a guy or girl, they're thinking all the way into the the, the conclusion, you know what I mean? You know, like what would happen yeah. if we were together? I don't think that's so weird. Well, it was, I don't know. For all my friends, they thought I was crazy. So when I told everyone I was getting married, every all my friends, including Katya, were very happy because they were like, oh, finally, she's getting married. Good for her. She's going to have kids. But when I got married, it was it was very depressing. I fell into a deep, deep depression. Just in that time that I was going back and forth, actually, before I got married, uh, one time Katya told me, oh, you know, I, she was working in banking and she said, oh, I just got paid my bonus. And I said, what are you going to do with your money? You're so young and with all that money. And she goes, I don't know, I'll go shopping. And I said, if I were you, I will quit my job and I'll go travel in South America. I said, that's my dream to go backpacking in South America. I haven't been able to do it. I would love to do it. And she said, oh, why would you want to go backpacking? That's so uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. So then when I tell her I'm going to get married, she did tell me, she goes, remember your dream to go backpacking? She's like, why don't you come with me and we go backpacking together? And I was like, oh, really? What a great idea. And I, I, it was like, you know, there were, you had to go on the other line on the phone. I still remember calling my husband and going, hey, do you think we can uh, postpone the wedding uh, six months so I can go traveling, backpacking with Katya in South America? And he was like, no, if you don't want to get married now, then we don't want to get married. I don't want to get married later. And I was like, okay. And then I would call Katya, sorry, no, I cannot go backpacking. Like, how 
ridiculous how like I was making decisions. Like, do you realize I was not even in touch with myself, with my emotions to what I was really thinking. I couldn't even see my truth. Forget living with my truth or by my truth. I, I couldn't even see it. I was, I was going by, you know, whatever was in front of me. And it was like, hi, marry me. Look, we're going to have a beautiful life here in paradise. And, you know, you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about being illegal in another country. This is your country. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I should get married. And I got married and Katya decided to go traveling to South America. And she did. And that year that she went traveling, she went for a year, not for six months. I bought a fax machine, which I had next to my bed. And I will just wait for a fax to come in with a letter from her. And she said that, you know, she will travel from town to town looking for a town that will have a fax machine. Because up there in the mountains or in the jungle in South America, the big cities had fax machine in the 90s, but not tiny towns that were in the middle of nowhere. And that's how we lived for a year. That must have sucked. I still have all those faxes. I ran into them the other day in my closet. It was so sad. So sad. Oh, man. So, so, so sad. I, there were times I wouldn't even get out of bed just crying and crying and crying. And you wished, obviously, that you were with her. I wish I was with her and I wanted my life back. You know, it got to a point... I would turn on the TV and I will, you know, all these movies are about New York and music videos and things like that. And I will look at something that was New York and I will be like, I will drown in my tears. It was very sad. So when I was in that deep, deep depression, I, I really didn't want to live anymore. I was like, I made a big mistake. I'm done. I don't have the strength. I don't have the force to change my life. Uh, and truly, how would I change it? To go and live with a woman? To really, like, be honest about the love I have in my heart for her? Was there was a part just... of you that thought that even? Or were you still not even thinking that? And did you no. think she would have wanted that too? Well, at that point, I started to think that. Like, I think I'm actually in love with this woman. And it's not okay to be in love with a woman no 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 for me this cannot happen and in fact I that's when I got into spirituality I met a meditation teacher a kundalini yoga teacher who helped me you know he said you need to start doing this meditation this meditation and I started to meditate every day and then in one trip to New York, he gave me a phone number of my teacher, who has been my teacher for 25 years now, um, Dr. Joseph Michael Levery, who is the founder of NAM, the uh, yoga and meditation I teach. And uh, I, have a pri I had a private session with him. And he looked at me and he said, stop crying. He's not the man for you. You're going to get divorced. And don't worry. You're also going to have a child because 
your soul was a mother of many children in another lifetime and is eager to have more children. And when he said that, he gave me my life back. In that moment, he restored my faith, my hope. And he didn't tell me, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to be with Katya or anything like that. Did he know Katya? Uh, so, yeah, it was a very interesting encounter. I came to New York with my husband. And like I said, my meditation teacher from Mexico gave me his phone number. So I called him and said, you know, I'm here in New York for a month with my husband. Um, you're highly recommended by my teacher. Um, can I put together a group of friends for you to see privately and, and do a session. He used to read the, the aura, the electromagnetic field and the palm too. He doesn't do it anymore, but he's very insightful. Um, and was Katya back yet or was she hadn't left yet? Or? So yeah, she, this is, this is a year into my marriage after her one year traveling backpacking uh, we came to New York. She came to New York as well. It was like a month. It was like a gift that my husband gave me because I was so depressed. And he said, why don't you rent an apartment in New York, go for a month, and I'll go back and forth between work and New York. It was like that. I was like, okay, yeah, great. I felt like I was having my life back. And did Katya and stay with you in the apartment? Katya will stay sometimes, yes, and sometimes we will have sex, but it was, I don't know how to explain to you, it wasn't like, oh, I see you, let's have sex, it wasn't, it was, it was more like a sad, painful thing, you know, we will cry a lot together, because we thought we wouldn't ever be together. Did you know at that point that you wanted to be? Like, did you know what you were crying about? Yeah. I mean, we both will cry, but it's still, I don't know why. I mean, if I tell you this, it's hard to even believe. We still, we wouldn't speak. It was not until around this time that she started to tell me, like, you know, she said, I went to the highest mountain in South America, to the deepest jungle, and I realized it didn't matter where I was. All I wanted was to be with you. Aww. And she will say those things and I'll be like, no, 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 stop. You can't say that. That's not possible. Aww. I even, I, I went to a retreat with this like uh, monk, a Lama, Tibetan monk, like the second one after the Dalai Lama in Mexico. And I had a private session with him, I remember, and I explained to him that I was in love with a woman. And he said, oh, no, not in this lifetime. It's not possible. You need to wait another lifetime to, to meet her again in a different form. And I truly believe that that's what I had to do. So every time she will try to talk to me about love, I will freak out, freak out and cry and cry and cry. I would totally freak. Like, it was too painful. But she, at that point, was starting to realize it. She saw she got to the top of the highest mountain, the deepest jungle, and she knew that she was in love with Yes, yes. And was she more able to accept it than you were? She was, because she was like, 
who cares about what anybody else think? And I was like, no, I can't. I can't tell my family in Mexico. I can't tell anybody. Like, no way. All I felt was shame. Shame, shame. And truly, like, throughout the years, now I understand that it was pure homophobia. Like, I had a lot of gay friends, but not until it happens to you, you realize how difficult it is to come out, how difficult it is to accept, you know, your your love or your gayness, homosexuality. I mean, not for everyone. It was for me. Perhaps now is different. I mean, even in Mexico is different now, but 25 years ago, a woman being gay in Mexico, forget it, was not respected at all. Like my family, I couldn't tell my family until many years later. But but it still, was there anything that felt good about it? Because if the woman, if, if, if like I had someone I loved that much and she said to me, no matter, like I could climb the highest mountain and go to the deepest jungle and all I want is you, I would still, there would be a part of my heart that, I mean, that still has to be beautiful to hear, right? I know there was, you were saying that all you could say was no, no, no. It was too scary. It was too scary. You couldn't even receive it. No, I couldn't. It was too scary to hear it. No, I was like, no, stop, stop. This is wrong. This is wrong. Stop. And, oh, I was telling you, I met my teacher, Dr. Levery, and um, the day that he came to have the session, everyone else was running late. My husband was running late. Our friends were running late. It was Katya and I that were there. We had been fighting and crying and kissing together that day. It was very intense. And we opened the door. He looked at us and he said, oh, la, la, his French. He's like, oh, la, la, oh, la, la. The light of the two of you together is so powerful. I hope you understand your soulmates. When he said that, I mean, my soul dropped down to the basement. Like, I was like, what? Who is this guy? And what is he looking at? How can he know? He was so loving, so full of love and acceptance. And he came in, then all our friends came in. He talked to us about spirituality, meditation, all of that. And then each of us went into the bedroom to have a private session with him. And in my private session, the first thing he said was, well, I wanted to have the private session for two things. One, because I was unhappy in my marriage and me not wanting to accept my love for Katya. And two, because I wanted to get pregnant. I had not been able to get pregnant. And as soon as I walked in, he said to me, stop crying. He's not the man for you. You're going to get divorced. And two... You're there right now because your soul wants to be a mother. You were a mother of many children in another lifetime, and your soul wants to have children. So let's work on it. And he gave me a lot of rituals to do, practices, meditations. And this was August. By December, I was pregnant. Of course, he didn't tell me, when you do these practices, you're going to face your demons. 
and you're going to need to see your truth and accept your truth. And that's exactly what happened. So I was meditating and chanting about four hours in the morning, four hours at night. That's all I did. I would wake up 4 a.m., meditate until 8, 8 a.m., then 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's a lot. Yeah. Go to sleep, wake up, and do it all over again. You were like a monk. Totally. I was in so much pain. What did you learn? Like, what were you thinking during that time? What was coming to you? Or was it just that you were, what was going on for you? It was a lot of purging, crying, crying and crying and crying and crying. And it's almost like my tears could clear all the darkness of my heart, of my soul, for me to be able to see myself and find courage. Did you know what you needed the courage for? No, no. It's like little by little, I started to feel strong again. I even, I took a trip. When I was in, in that retreat with the uh, monk, with Tibetan monk, I met somebody that told me about this retreat in Guatemala, in um, Lake uh, Atitlan. And there was a very special retreat where she did and she found a lot of silence and she found her truth, she told me. And I kept that in the back of my mind. So as I was doing all my meditations and trying to figure out how I was going to leave my husband, I thought I need to go to that place because that woman says she found her truth there. So I told my husband, I'm sorry, I have to go. And he's like, where? I mean, the guy was already dealing with a woman who was highly depressed, wouldn't get out of her bed. She was crying all the time. She was sad all the time. She was depressed. She wouldn't be social. Like, he had no wife, period. And when I told him, um, I have to go to this meditation center in Guatemala to find my truth, he looked at me like, you know, whatever. Hope you find your way. Hope you're okay. And I left. I left and I was there for uh, a month. I was there for 40 days and I was in silence for 40 days, fasting most of the time. The first, the first week I ate like maybe three days, fasted four days. The second week I ate two days, fasted the rest of the week. The third week I fasted one, I ate one day, fasted the rest of the week. Sounds like gay conversion therapy, like you were torturing yourself. <laughs> Maybe. I didn't know about gay conversion or anything like that. I, was, I don't think it works. <laughs> I wasn't trying to convert myself in any way. I was in so much pain. I, I was trying to find relief. A lot of praying, a lot of meditation, a lot of uh, sweat lodges, the temascal, doing rituals with the stars, with herbs, with plants. And then finally, one day, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm in love with Katya. I'm going to call her. And I called her and I said, I'm in love with you. I want to change my life. I want to be with you. And she took the next flight down to Guatemala. We met in Guatemala. And we had 10 days, beautiful 10 days traveling Guatemala and the Chiapas, Oaxaca, in the south of Mexico. It was so beautiful. And, and I said, it was December, like, 19. 
I said, I just need to go home. I had promised my grandmother, who I, I was very close to, I promised my grandmother that I was going to go spend Christmas with her. So I have to go home with my husband and go see my grandmother in the north of Mexico with him. And she said, okay, so I'll see you after uh, New Year's Eve. Great. The day I got home after this honeymoon with Katya, I got home and I was in the shower. And then all of a sudden, like, my husband came in to the house and he was like, who's showering? And I said, it's me, I'm back. And he came to the bathroom and I said, uh, we need to talk. And he said, no, I know what you're going to tell me. I really thought I will never see you again. And he got undressed and made love to me in the shower. And I got pregnant there. Wow. I got pregnant there. I was supposed to get my period in two days. And I even thought I was feeling so guilty with him that I was going to leave him for my best friend that I allowed him to make love to me, thinking I can't get pregnant. I got pregnant. So we went for Christmas and I wouldn't get my period. I wouldn't get my period. And I was feeling a little bit off. And I told my cousin, who's a doctor, I think I probably have parasites. You know, I, I was living in the jungle in, in Guatemala and, and I was, you know, just eating whatever. And she said, well, if I give you medicine for the parasites, you won't be able to toast on New Year's Eve, so wait until New Year's Eve passes. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll wait for that. And then I still wouldn't get my period. So January 2nd, I went to the doctor and I said, before I take this medicine, can you do a blood test to see what's wrong with me? And the doctor was like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're pregnant. I was like, what? pregnant and the doctor was like yeah you have no parasites and I'm glad you didn't take that medicine because that would have damaged the the, the baby it would like, it wouldn't be good for the baby it's so crazy that the minute you were clear and that you were true to your truth you were able to conceive I got pregnant it's amazing can you imagine yeah it's really crazy and that's exactly what my teacher told me there's a duality inside of you that you have to clear and the minute you cleared it, you were able to conceive. Boom. Yeah. I, at that point, I had been like for two years trying to get pregnant and nothing. Did you leave him before your baby was born? No. Because I... Oh, more drama? More drama. More drama. Oh, poor Katya. Poor thing. Poor Katya, totally. She was clear the whole time, right? She totally understood. The whole time. And she was so forgiving and generous with her love because she knew how much I wanted to have a baby so instead of calling her to say I'm coming in January I called her and I said I'm pregnant oh, and man. she was like so what do you want to do and I said I want to have my baby and I want my baby to have a dad and I want to stay oh man and we cried together and she said okay no problem she's amazing yes and then it gets better because with all the problems that I had, me not being able to stay legal in the States, I said, I want my child to be born in the States. So I told my husband that, and he thought I was crazy. 
that he was so afraid that I will get depressed again, that he will do anything. He wouldn't even question anything. He was like, okay, you want to move there? That's fine. And I said, yeah, I'm going to move in with Katya <laughs> until the baby's born. And I moved in since the time I was four months pregnant. We went to the birthing classes together. I gave birth next to her, everything. And he wasn't there? Did he understand what was happening between you two? He did, actually, because when I was here, he had a conversation with my mother saying something like, you know, I don't know what's going on with Primavera because she's only happy when Katia is around. And my mom went crazy with that comment because it looked like everyone can see our love but us. Well, it sounds like Katia could. It sounds like it was just everyone but you. <laughs> well, it took Katia a little longer, too. You know what I mean? It, and not as because, long as it took you, it sounds like. No, not as long. Not as long. But I could see the love, of course. I just didn't have the courage to do it. And even when... So I had the baby. After I had the baby, I moved back home with my husband. And I went back into my depression. And at that point, Katya told me, I'm done with you. I cannot even speak to you. Because now, not only... Is you that I miss, but the baby too. And the baby, I named her after her. So it was baby Katya that she was missing. The baby's name was Katya? Yeah. That's my old, older daughter's name, Katya. Because I never thought I would have Katya in my life. My wife. So... After Katya completely cut all communication with me, like magic, a month later, I gained my strength, my power, everything. And I left my husband and moved back to New York, found a job that sponsored my visa, and later on my green car. And we started to raise our daughter, little Katya, uh, in New York City, she was only five months old when I moved to New York. So her cutting you off was like the ultimatum that made you wake up and do what you had to do to go be with her. Totally. Yes. Yes. And did you tell your parents at that point? Nope. No. I couldn't. I couldn't. Did she tell hers? Nope. Nope. So who knew? Nobody. Nobody. We couldn't tell anybody, not even our closest friends. Wow. Yeah. It was very funny because I remember being with the stroller one time, walking around the West Village. We lived downtown, and I saw gay and lesbian center. I was like, ah, maybe they can help me there. What, on 13th and 8th? Yes. I told Katya. I saw this place, it's the Gay and Lesbian Center. Maybe we can go there and they can help us. And she, she was like looking at me like, help us with what? You know, to figure out our relationship and everything. And she was like, I don't need any help. And I was like, I do, please come with me. And she was like, I don't wanna go anywhere. So I forced her to walk with me there and when we got there, she was like, I'm scared to go in. I don't have anything in common with gay and lesbian people. I'm just in love with you. And I was like, I, I know, but we're lesbians. 
And we both even at that point were like, we're not lesbians. We're just in love with each other. And so I went into the Gay and Lesbian Center and I was so afraid. I remember the big counter and the woman behind the counter said, hey, can I help you? And I was like, nope, 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 (laughs) nope. And I grabbed a brochure that was there and I took that brochure with me like a newsletter. And, And I remember reading every word of the newsletter. I took two things out of that newsletter. There was an ad for progressive education, Little Red Schoolhouse. And I thought, this is a school where my daughter needs to go. And then there was an, a little ad or whatever of uh, a therapist. If you have issues with your homosexuality, blah, blah, emotional issues, and I call her and I said to go to therapy, I would go, imagine me. I would go to individual therapy, couples therapy, and group therapy. And then I will still continue with all my yoga and meditation. And I had a job and I had a baby. Like, I didn't sleep. I was just focusing on, like, I have to solve this. I have to figure it out. But Katya was comfortable, it sounds like. She didn't feel as tormented by it. She just couldn't tell her family, but she was... She couldn't tell anybody. She was fine in the closet. Was she ashamed or she just knew that she would get in, kind of get in trouble? Like it would be worse if she told people. Oh, yeah. Like she, she, I don't know if she was ashamed or not, but she wouldn't tell anybody. But you sound like you were tormented by it. I was tormented. I was in pain because I was in pain that I was not able to live my truth. It just happened to be that it was homosexuality, my, my truth. But I was tormented not to be able to be myself with everyone. You have to think, like, I will, I've always been super social and have friends and this and that. And all of a sudden, I couldn't share my love. I couldn't be open about it. I had to hide my feelings, my emotions, my love, everything, my relationship. People were like, why do you get divorced? I'm still thinking about your wedding. It was amazing. Why would you leave this guy? And I'll be like, well, let me think. What can I make up this time? Were you at least happy because you were with her? That must- oh, yeah. We were very happy. Like, once we closed the door, we're like the happiest people. Finally, I came out to my mom. And my mom said, I don't want to know. I'd rather live in denial. I don't want to hear any of this. For me, Kat is your best friend. And that's it. And I really hope... You never tell your daughter what her mother is. And I was like, what? And I think that comment was such a like trigger point to me that I was like, no, mom, it's the opposite. I need to tell my daughter what her mother is so that she doesn't feel shame for me the way you're feeling shame for me, the way I'm feeling shame for myself. Because there is nothing wrong to be gay. And, you know, it was really through, like, the school. My daughter ended up going to Little Red and to Corlears, both fabulous schools downtown. I became part, very involved in the school, part of the Gay and Lesbian Family Committee. And it was a lot of learning for us as a family, There were not, I mean, right now, the explosion of gay and lesbian families there are, 
because fertility methods are more available right now is very different. There were two lesbian families in the entire school. Today, there are three lesbian families in the classroom of my younger daughter. It's huge, 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 huge difference. I think there were like two lesbian families in the entire school and three gay, gay families with two dads. Right now, oh my God, there are like 20, 50. I'm part of, a, of an organization called Family Equality that what we do is to promote equal rights for gay and lesbian families, I should say L, LGBTQ plus families. And it's just so different. We did like a fundraising dinner where there were like a thousand families sitting in the room. But all of this sounds like a movie from another time and it was. 25 years ago, it was very different, especially 25 years ago in Mexico, 25 years ago in Lebanon, Katia's from Lebanon. It wasn't too many years ago that being gay or lesbian was illegal in Lebanon. And that's what we had to, to deal with. This, these were our roots. These were our values that we were raised with. So to wake up one day and you're madly in love with a person that is not who you expected to be in love with in life, it was very intense. And, and truly, thanks to, for me, was my spirituality that kept me on track, that kept me like going deep inside to find my truth and live by my truth. And that's why for me now, this is, this is what I teach. This is how I empower others to find their truth, whatever that is, whether they're gay, lesbian, straight, whatever. If your truth is, I don't know, to serve others, that's what you should do. If your truth is to be a painter, that's what you should do. Because that's what life is about. We can only show up to life with our gifts. We can only be happy when we allow for these gifts to flourish and and shine. So that's my work now. I, I created something called Transform with Love. And Transform with Love is about connecting to what is unconditional love. And that means self-love, self-acceptance, self-compassion, right? If I look back at myself right now, I'm like, I could say, Oh, what an idiot that you didn't have the courage. I had to develop so much compassion for myself because I just didn't have the tools at that point to live a life the way I live now. I can say, you know, Katya and I have been together for 23 years, living together since we met. It's been 26 years. We have a 22-year-old daughter who just graduated from Oberlin College. We have a seven-year-old who just finished first grade. We have a rich life. We both have careers. Katya continues to work in banking. I have a career in production and just I've been teaching yoga, meditation all these years and I'm doing work to empower women, men, everyone to just live by the truth. And that's my story. That's my story. I love your story. I love love stories. Thank you, Jordana. 
I love love stories. I smile the whole way through when I hear it just because, you know, it's hard not to feel it like deep in my heart, the, the beauty of your love and how strong it was. It's such a beautiful story. But what's also interesting is um, what a lot of the women who come to me, what they're struggling with is not necessarily the shame of being gay. It's, it's that they can't find love the way that you found it. And you're lucky you had it the whole time. I do. I feel, I feel very fortunate, but I have to say one thing. And that has been my experience. I have a lot of friends who are gay, lesbian, a lot of friends who are in relationships, and a lot of friends who are not in relationships, gay or not gay. Part of the spiritual work that I do and that I teach, and like I said, is about living by your truth and developing a sense of love for yourself and for others a sense of compassion, understanding, empathy for yourself and for others. Because you can meet the most perfect companion, like I say, gay or, or straight, and you can blow out that relationship in no time because you're not true to yourself and you're not true to that person. And I've seen it time again and again. And a relationship is work. And it shouldn't be painful work. It's joyful work. We're humans. And as humans, one day we're in a great mood, the next day we're not. One day we're dealing with fears, with emotions, with anger, with whatever, with life. And our job is to figure out how to transform that and transform that with love. So one of the ways that I teach is about raising your vibration. All those negative emotions like jealousy, envy, um, sadness, depression are very low vibration emotions. And we all have them. But some people have the tools to transform those emotions into positive emotions, a higher vibration emotion. And that's something we all can do. What's the best trick for doing that when you're feeling jealousy or envy or sadness or depression? What are some, what's your best trick for raising that? Well, you're, tell, you're asking me a very good question that is a little bit like if I ask you, what's the best trick to run uh, a 42K? A what? A 42K, uh, a marathon. Right. What's the best trick to run a marathon? I'm not a runner, so it's not my area of expertise. Right. But ask me another but, question, I can answer. But pretend you're a runner. What would you say if I say, what's the best trick to run a marathon? Um, it just hurts my knees even thinking about it. Um, I would say... Practice. Yeah, practice. Training. Yeah, totally training. Yeah. So discipline, practice, training, Right having commitment, being accountable, all of those things is the same thing in a relationship. We must be accountable for ourselves and others. And that means get rid of your bullshit. Get rid of what is, he, what is in here for me. It's more about what can I give, right? Marianne Williamson, I don't know if you know her, she's one of the most amazing teachers. Of course, in Miracles, she says, whatever love is missing from this room is the love that I am not giving. Because I hear so often in relationships like, oh, 
he or she doesn't love me enough, doesn't give me enough. But if we actually the ones focusing and giving, maybe we can shift the paradigm of the relationship. Yeah. And it's just it's just that. Yeah, I feel super fortunate to have met this amazing woman that we fell in love with each other and connected at the soul level right away. But we've also have worked a lot in our relationship. Yeah. You know, on and off, we go to couples therapy, we stop, we do a lot of retreats together. We've been meditating together for at least 18, 19 years. Since 2001, we have an altar in our bedroom. Every morning we wake up, we meditate. And our spiritual life is the anchor of our family. We must have that. We all have, times are tough. You know, life is challenging. We all know that. And we need to have an anchor inside of us that keep us real. Yeah. And for us, that has been our spiritual life. It's beautiful. I'm so happy yeah, for you. Thank you. I love thank your story. You. It's really fun to listen thank to. You. It's a great story. I love hearing it. I mean, we probably should have a whole other podcast just where you could teach spiritual lessons. But Anytime. So before we get off the podcast, where can women who want to do work with you or find you, where can people go to learn more and find you? Um, so I guess the best place will be my website, which is my name, primaverasalva.com. Or also if you look for transformwithlove.com. Uh, my Instagram, that is transform underscore with underscore love. I'm usually posting if I'm teaching uh, any workshops, rituals, anything. Um, I also work one-on-one -on -one with private clients and um and classes. So my website or my Instagram is the best place. So what I do, for example, when I, when I meet, I have, um, I meet with private clients and what we do is I do a mapping. I call it a soul mapping based on Kabbalah. We look at what are their strengths, their weaknesses, their challenges, and also what are their gifts and how to live from that place, from the place of high vibration that I talked about, how to transform uh, any low vibration into high vibration, right? And based on that, we all have a lesson to learn every year. So we figure out what is the lesson of the year and how you're honoring the gifts that you're given to work with in life. Um, and I teach people how to meditate, how to do breath work, things, uh, tools and rituals that are going to help them be in that place of high vibration, right? We come to this lifetime to, to experience one thing, unconditional love. And in order to do that, we have to be vibrating in high vibration because when we actually vibrate love, unconditional love is when we're able to connect to our soul. So, that's the password. Love is the password to your soul. And what I do is to help you connect to your soul, where all the truths that you're looking for, all the answers are right there. And uh, when we meet in person, I also do healing sessions uh, with an energetic method that helps you to clear also karma. 
and karma is, you know, things that we're carrying from past lives or from our childhood that is blocking us to be our best version of ourselves. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all this. Thank you, Jordana. It's been a pleasure. You're wonderful. I hope I see you soon. Okay. And now I would love to hear from you. Primavera and I covered a whole lot of things in this interview, but I'm curious. What are the many things we spoke about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com that can help, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a quick guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. And if you want personal support from me through the challenges and frustrations of finding and keeping lesbian love, then go to womenwantingwomen.com forward slash coaching to learn more about the work I do or email me at jordana at womenwantingwomen.com to schedule a one-on-one consultation. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.